Hey guys, Cody here just reminding you that the best wrestlers in the world are coming to Iowa for the UWW World Cup at Extreme Arena in Coralville this December 10th and 11th. This one-of-a-kind dual-style competition features the world's very best men's and women's freestyle wrestlers repping their home countries and going head-to-head to decide who is the best wrestling country on the planet. You'll get to see Team USA's biggest wrestling stars like Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, Tamara Mensah-Stock, Helen Naroulis, so many more. There's no better time than now to be a USA wrestling fan, and there's no better time than now to get your tickets. Be sure to go to worldcupcoralville.com. I put links in the show notes so that you guys can get all the information you need. You're not going to want to miss this. One more time, get your tickets at worldcupcoralville.com. Number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a campus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I'm going to put a plug in because we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telfer, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you're here. Happy Thursday, November 3rd. Still out of town this week, but we have another pre-recorded show here for you guys today. The final preview to get you guys ready for the 22-23 wrestling season. On today's show, I called up my buddy Earl Smith, lead editor and writer at Intermat, and he and I discussed Iowa, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa, took the temperature of all three programs, offered one big question we hope each team answers over the course of the season, tried to define what a successful season looks like for each team, and then named one guy from each lineup that we're excited to watch during the 22-23 season. Felt like with that kind of structure, we covered most all the bases we needed to for each team to kind of get a good feel of what to watch, what to expect, and um, you know various things and subplots to follow during the 22-23 season. Earl and I go for about an hour here, so I'll quit babbling and we can get to the good stuff. I appreciate you guys tuning in today, and I hope you enjoy the show. As promised, Earl Smith from Intermat here, another preseason pod, the last preseason pod, before we finally get to see some live competitions. Um, Earl, you guys have been churning out all sorts of preseason stuff over at Intermat. How are you guys doing? How are you feeling? Like, we're going to get to see some live wrestling soon. I mean, this this is my favorite time of year, favorite time of the season. You know, it's, it's the preseason. We're able to kind of speculate and analyze and project and and do all that stuff and at the same time we know uh just over a week from now we're going to see some real wrestling we've got some wrestle-offs going on around the country so yeah there, there's lots of content coming out on intermat and uh, I'm, I'm excited for it and i'm excited to to produce it what we're going to do today um and we kind of discussed this a little bit before we hit record um kind of big previews on iowa iowa state you and i the three d1 programs that that i cover in this state and that i know you keep really close tabs on um really curious um you know kind of your perspective as someone who covers literally everybody but also you know you obviously you pay close attention to um you know the top tier teams just kind of you know your perspective on these things that you know that guy that you know you're outside of the state um you know you probably have these you, you got a different eye than i do um just in terms of like evaluations and and whatnot and so really happy to have you on to discuss the three teams um the Hawkeyes Cyclones and Panthers before we get rolling here with the competitive portion of the season um so I figured let's start with the Hawks what is what's your vibe check on the Hawkeyes this year how you feeling about the Iowa wrestling team coming into 22-23 season it's it's really interesting for me I know the past couple years you've kind of known what you're going to get from these guys 
You know, they, they were such a veteran team over the past couple of years that, you know, there weren't that many questions about performance, uh, maybe with injuries that kind of threw a, a monkey wrench into it a little bit. But, you know, we, we were going to see a lot of new phases in the lineup. So I think that's that's fun. You know, we can assume we know what's going to happen from some of these guys, but you don't really know. And uh, that not really knowing is, is interesting for me. Yeah, I agree. There's there's a mix of guys who are proven, right? Because we're you know we're we're presuming by March that Spencer Lee is going to be back healthy after his surgery. Um, Jacob Warner and Tony Cassiope, just bona fide bona fide dudes, right? Point scorers, all Americans, national finalist for for Warner's sake. Um, you know, guys like uh, Max Murin and Abasad, who both have been fairly close. Uh, Max Murin, literally in the blood round the last three years. Abasad, who has shown flashes of being a podium type guy, but just maybe hasn't put it all together in the, in the few chances. Um, and then a lot of new ish faces. I say ish because like, you know, like real woods, for example, transferred in the presumed guy at 41. He's, he's new to Iowa, but you know, credentialed um, Nelson brands, another guy who, you know, he was in the postseason lineup when they won a national title, but now I believe he's going to be, he's going to be at his optimal weight at 74, how effective can he be? Um, you know, uh, and then Patrick Kennedy, a guy who I think a lot of Iowa fans are really excited to watch this year. There's a lineup battle at 33, um, you know, 57, who comes out of that mess. It's kind of, I, I totally understand the intrigue and, um, you know, high standards are still going to be held in Iowa city. Right. So it's like, how fast can a lot of these, you know, maybe some of the younger guys and, and some of the newer guys, like, can they make that immediate impact? And I think that's, one of the most intriguing parts about this Iowa team, um, which kind of leads to the second one big question. What's one big question you've got for the Hawkeyes this season? You kind of, you kind of mentioned it just now, you know, what the heck is going to happen at 57? Um, You know, you have uh, a couple options, you know, generally pretty young, uh, Brett Lurena, Caleb Rathje, um, maybe even, I don't know, Aiden Riggins, uh, could we say, Um, you don't, you don't know. All these guys have really good you know, high school credentials, uh, you know, international styles. So you're, you're probably getting get somebody that's successful in the lineup, but you know we're we're not sure who just yet. No, I agree with that, and I think my first thought is um, a lot of people I think are going to appreciate Caleb Young maybe a little bit more for the fact that he held down that weight and was a two time All American and. You know, I mean, you could argue even last year, maybe though he struggled a little bit, still very much All-American caliber, just so happened to lose to two really, really good guys at the national tournament. Um, I agree. This is this is a really intriguing question. You kind of hit on, you know, the major players. Um, you know, does does Tom go to Aiden Riggins? Not 100% sure, but, you know, that's, I mean, that could be another, you know, you, you talk about like how do these coaches handle the redshirt rule? Um, that's an interesting subplot. In, in the middle of this interesting subplot for Iowa, right, with 157. Um, I'm of the belief, you know, and, you know, I I did this. I shouldn't even say that because I don't really know what's going to happen at 57, right? Because, I mean, you hit on it. Like, Brettley Reyna, I think you you have Reyna in your rankings. Um, and it makes sense to put him in the lead spot. Uh, but there's also Kobe Siebrecht, who wrestled 70 kilo at U23s, did really, really well. Um, you know, Caleb Rachi is going to be a redshirt freshman this year. He had a pretty good um, redshirt season, the limited time he was able to wrestle. I know he was dealing with some stuff, um, but, you know, but he's a guy that, you know, wrestles year round and just a freak athlete. Um, 
you know, and then I, the, the idea of Riggins, perhaps maybe he gets his red shirt pulled. I don't know. That just might depend on how everybody else, um, you know, performs, I suppose. Like if you, if you were a D one coach, let me ask you th- this way. When would you want to have that weight settled? I know there are some coaches that have various, you know, like they, this is their guy, November one and away they go. There are others that let this play out over the course of the year, which, which, which do you feel like might be, you know, one, your preferred method or two, like if you were a D one head coach, how would you let that situation or situation similar to this play out? I mean, you'd love to have it settled by November 1st, but in this situation, um, I'd like to, by the turn of the year, um, you know, you, you go to Midlands and one guy emerges, you know, you would hope, you know, one guy places high or, you know, maybe both guys, three guys do, but, uh, you know, realistically you have one guy emerge and then uh, throughout the dual season, the big 10 dual season, you can have your guy in the lineup. Um, if he gets hurt, if he's you know banged up sick, you can insert one of these other guys, but, you know, generally I'd like to have it by January 1st. My question, one big question, what does Spencer Lee look like? You know, I, I, everything suggests that I've heard that he's probably going to be on pitch count, may not see him a ton through the first semester. Um, and then kind of in spots through the second semester, maybe just kind of my, one of those things where it kind of depends on how he feels. Um, but obviously he's a major, major point scorer, right? Like he's, Iowa needs him in the lineup if they truly want to do what they feel like they're capable of this year. Obviously he's going after history, right? Wants to win a fourth NCAA title. would be the first in Iowa history, fifth all time. Him and Yanni are kind of doing that parallel chase thing again this year. Um, but, you know, how does he look? Like, we, like I don't think anybody knows, right? Like, he's, he's posted some stuff on social media here and there, but none of it has been, like, live wrestling. It's been, like, various workouts and stuff. Like, he's found the, he's found the weight room, so that's probably a little scary if you're a 25-pounder, um, you know, because he was already ridiculously strong. I don't know. Like, that's, that's my one big, you know, what does he look like? When do we see him regularly? Like, I don't know. I, I would what, like, what do you think about the whole Spencer situation? Yeah. In the playoffs, something you said, um, if they want to win a team title, you know, not only do they have to have him win, they have to have him uh, kind of that Spencer Lee you're accustomed to where he's getting bonus points in four, maybe five matches at NCAAs. And, uh, you know, he, he's proven in the past that he can win when he's not a hundred percent. But, to to really win this whole thing as a team, they're going to need uh, you know extra points from him. So uh, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And, and I guess the tea leaves I'm reading are kind of the same things that you're hearing as far as pitch counts and stuff like that. I think if I, I ran the math last year, and it's never as easy as plug and play, right? But like if you put Spencer in the big 10 championships last year. And he is normal Spencer, which is to say he did what he, you know, did during the 2021 season. Um, And this, again, this is the big 10 championships, not the NCAA championships. And it's never as perfect as plug and play, but, but I'm pretty certain they win the big 10 championships. Like that's the kind of impact this guy can have. And like you said, his health, like, it's not the sole reason Iowa is or isn't going to like win a team title or, you know, win a trophy. And we'll, we'll touch on that next because that's, that's the next question I have for you. But obviously it's, it's crucially important, like his health, um, because we know that when he's healthy, he is like an absolute demon on the mat. Um, and you're right. It's not just him winning. It's, it's him scoring those bonus points that he does 
you know, at what a 90% clip for the course of his career, which is just insane to think about. And he's done a lot of that while not healthy too. Um, yeah, like that's just, you know, like that's, that's kind of, and, and until we see him and we may not see him in any regular capacity for a while, like that is, you know, it's, it's, it's not like their season's like in flux or anything, but like, we kind of have to see that before we're like, yeah, like this, this Iowa team could do it. Like they could make a run. Um, so it's just like a really, you know, another, another one of those subplots to Iowa season. Like, what is he going to look like? How is this going to go? What are they going to do with him? You know, it's, it's a, it's a very intriguing thing, especially for, you know, a, a quote unquote blue blood program that chases gold every single year. And, and you know, it's not going to be something that we're going to be able to have an answer to November 5th. You know, it's going to be something that we're going to have to pay attention to because, you know, we don't expect to see him week one, you know, hundred percent. Um, what does a successful season for Iowa look like? I mean, I don't think you can say anything other than team title. Um, you know, that between, well, the that's their, that's the, their, the you know, that's, that's yeah. what they want. I'm, I'm talking like, yeah. like Earl Smith, lead editor and writer at Intermat. What, what do you think <laughs> for Iowa wrestling? Like what is a successful season for them? I mean, if they were to win it, absolutely. Um, I think Penn State's going to be extremely hard to catch with, you know, their big guns and, and some of the guys they can bring into the lineup. So, um, you know, really, I'd say runner-up finish just because um, some of the other teams, uh, Arizona State's bringing back a loaded roster. Ohio State's going to be good. Um, you know, the Cornell's and even you know, Wisconsin's going to be a really good uh, team. So, uh, there, there are plenty of teams that are going to be competing for the team trophies. So I, I would say second. Um, again, that's not what people that are listening to this want to hear. But, <laughs> but I think it's important to be real, right? Like, because I said the same thing. Like, I think, a, I think a successful season is like you're definitively number two, because it's. And I'm not saying there's not a path for them to win, because as I laid out this in prep for the show. You know, I laid out the rankings that you have for each team and just kind of put them side by side and tried to visualize this. Um, you know, there's a there's a path for them to to beat Penn State in a duel. There's a path to beat them in a tournament. But similar to last year, like there was a path last year, too. And a lot had to go right. You know, like there was a lot that had to go right for them to win it in 2021. And that's what happened. There was a lot that had to go right for them last year to contend and you know, injuries got the best of them. They lost a few matches they probably shouldn't have, and ultimately it fell apart and they took third. Um, that path still exists this year. If they want to get there, like some of these younger guys or some of these unknown, you know, like Max and Abe, for example, got to take that step. Um, the young guys, Colin Schriever, Patrick Kennedy, they, they, need to, they need to go immediately. You know, I'm not saying they need to take third, but like, you need to score some points. You probably got to get on the podium. Um, Jacob Warner, got to do it again. Um, Tony Cassiope, you, top four probably. Spencer's got to be Spencer. Um, Real Woods probably has to get to the finals. Um, the path is there, right? Whoever emerges from 57, got to score points. The path is there. Realistically, like until we start to see what some of these things look like over the course of the season, it's hard for me to say like, success is, is champs or bust. Like I think definitively second behind Penn state is a successful season this year because of the weird transition. Um, you know, just all these new faces in the lineup and it's, and it sucks to say that because it's, you know, Spencer and Jacob Warner, it's their last year in the lineup. And those guys have been so good. Um, 
you know, but there's, I think I need to see it first before I fully believe like, yeah, like they could, the path to first, they could run it down. Um, cause it exists and it's there, but I gotta see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, the, whenever you're talking best case scenarios, you've been to enough wrestling tournaments where, you know, literally never happens. It never happens. You know, <laughs> and there's going to be one guy, two guys that significantly out wrestle their seeds and your expectations. Shout out. He's on the same time. Yeah. There, there might be two or three guys that, uh, you know, don't wrestle to expectations. So, um, it, it can be tough when you're counting on like best case scenario to win it all. Yeah. And there's, you know, the, the, the other thing too, and like you mentioned this, there's a lot of other really good teams out there. Like I'm looking at Ohio state's lineup and it's like, you know, like I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like scratching my head, like, Earl, you got them fourth. Like what's going on, man. Like that's like, that's, they're really good. Like, and they, like, they still have a chance for some of those young guys to really, you know, like how good is Patty Gallagher, right? Like can Karchla take a step forward? Um, you know, whoever wins at 33, like it looks like it's probably going to be Mendez. How big of an impact can he have right away? Um, is this the year Malik puts it together? Um, you know, th- there's a lot of things that play like, and that's just them, right? I mean, you mentioned Arizona state, like they've, you know, I think there might be, you know, I think they got a couple holes in the middle of the lineup right now, uh, mostly just cause it's unknown. Um, you know, and then like Missouri's a team that's they've got dudes up and down the lineup. Is this the year they finally, you know, win those blood round matches, right? Um, Michigan, I don't think is going anywhere. They probably don't have the same firepower, um, but they still got guys. Um, you know, Minnesota is another sneaky team where it's like, hey, if they put the pieces together, watch out, right? Um, you mentioned Wisconsin. Um, you know, I I guess when I say definitively second, it's, you know, it's not only continuing to nip at Penn State's heels, it's also showing the rest of those guys like, Hey, like if you want to win this, you got to go through Iowa. Right. And it's, it's, it's a firmly establishing that not only with your vets, but with your young guys too, because half this line, you know, more than half this lineup is going to come back for 23, 24. And so it's like, you know, put your foot down, right? Like show the young guys need to show how good they really are. Um, you know, successful season, obviously they want to win it definitively number two in the country. I think, I think that's a thumbs up just based on based on the state of the program and where it's at. Um, last question regarding the Hawkeyes. What guy can you not wait to watch this season? Who are you most excited to see? I can't wait to see Patrick Kennedy as the guy at 65. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that it's a loaded weight class. And, um, you know, up top it is with, you know, your title contenders, three national champions, but once you get past, I don't know, seven, eight or so. And, and uh, once you get past the all Americans, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and uh, I know uh, intermats rankings have Quincy Monday in there. So you can take him out and put him at 57. Um, so I do think there's a path for him to move up pretty quickly. Now getting to that top three, that's, that's a tough one to crack, but um, you know, I, I think he's certainly capable of, of that. So he, he's definitely one I've got my eyes on. Yeah. And I think in, in the same vein as like, we were just talking about Iowa as a team, like a super successful season, I think for Patrick Kennedy is sixth, like sixth or higher. Right. Just cause you look at who's here, right. It's Keegan O'Toole, Shane Griffith, David Carr, right. You start with those guys, but then Cam Amin, all American, Dean Hamidi, all American, Carson Karchla, all American, Peyton Hall, all American, a guy that Patrick Kennedy beat at U23s, um, you know, and then you go up and down the line, like 
Formato, really good. Sheets, All-American. Nigel Hughes, very good. Um, OG, Alejnik, Austin Yan. Like a lot of really good wrestlers. A lot of wrestlers that we believe PK is probably better than tactically. Um, but in, like, you know, like we just, we got to see it. Right. Like, and we've, we've seen shades of it on and off over the last few years. Um, you know, Southern scuffle last year, U 23s. Um, you know, he, he, I think what the, during his true freshman year, the COVID year, when everybody, you know, everybody basically redshirted, um, yes, but no, he wrestled laps. Right. And that was up a weight. And I, you know, he lost, I think six to three or seven to three or whatever it was. And I thought he wrestled pretty well. And yeah. labs is a guy who is damn good. So I like that. Um, I think a lot of people are really excited to see him. I know that, um, you know, in the times that I have seen him, he's got this full beard going and it's just like, man, you are so old that you're going to have a full ass beard by the time you actually exercise your first year of eligibility, <laughs> because it just seems like he's been there so long, right? Like he committed right after his sophomore year ended and everybody's just kind of been like, yeah, like he's the next bull. And that was four years ago. And we're just kind of waiting to see him. Um, so I like that pick. I like that pick. I think the guy I'm most excited to watch, um, Colin Schriever. Um, and not just because he's in, you know, one of the most intriguing lineup battles, I think in the country, but because I think until proven otherwise, and I th I've told people this too, and I told you this, you know, before we hit record here and, you know, various chats and whatnot, I think he's going to be the guy there. And until proven otherwise, I have no reason to think otherwise. Um, you know, Colin's a guy that, you know, again, he committed a long time ago. A lot of people in the state of Iowa know him. You know, he was a cadet and junior national champ, one of the few in state history to win at both age levels um, in men's freestyle. Um, you know, he, there was that weird situation last year where against Illinois and Northwestern, um, DeSanto didn't wrestle. So they pulled Shriver out of red shirt to wrestle a couple of matches. He was at the Southern scuffle. He did fairly well. Like he's got some nice wins for someone who really hasn't gotten the full attention of the staff, so to speak. Um, you know, and he didn't beat bird or, or McCannon that weekend, but both those guys are all Americans. Right. So that's, you know, pretty good barometer of where the kid's at. Um, and I'm just like, I'm excited to see him. Cause I know when he's fully healthy, one of the, like one of the best kids at his age and clearly his weight in the country coming out of high school. So like, Let's see that trans let's see that translate and let's see what you got now finally as part of the lineup. Right. And this is another kid that he was, he was an Iowa kid grew up wanting to be a Hawkeye grew up wanting to wrestle for Tom brands, grew up watching guys like Tony Ramos and Corey Clark. And, you know, now Austin DeSanto got to be his workout partner. Um, you know, Hey man, like your dream is in front of you now, go get it. Right. And you could say the same thing about Brody Teske, but, um, I guess I, similar thing. We keep coming back to this theme. I got to see it. Like I got, I got to see it. I got to see Brody Teske at 33 until then. Um, I think it's going to be Colin and I'm, I'm really excited to kind of just see what he looks like. Yeah. By the time uh, your listeners hear this, uh, I'll probably have put out an article about positional battles and that's kind of number one on my list as far as ones I'm looking forward to. Uh, I kind of felt the same way you did that. Uh, he's the clear cut favorite um, or maybe just a, a favorite. Um, I think some other people I've seen kind of gave Teske the edge, uh, maybe kind of based on his his work at 25, but um, I've always been a fan of Shriver. So uh, you mentioned those matches with the All-Americans. You know, he acquitted himself really well in those. I never like to put too much stock into, like, close losses and stuff. Um, but, you know, just watching the matches, he, he looked like he belonged out there with them. Um, he wasn't 
you know, totally outclassed or anything. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to him as well. That was, that was Iowa, uh, moving on to Iowa state. Um, another very intriguing, interesting team. I feel like we could probably use those words for literally any division one program, but, um, for different reasons though, what's, what's the vibe check? How are you feeling about the Cyclones this year? Um, I think it's, um, I think last year was, you know, great dual year, probably not the, the tournament season they wanted, but, uh, it's kind of like once you get to that level, can you stay there? Can you replicate it? You know, they had the Iowa loss was their, their only dual loss. So are, the, are they going to be that type of team again? And, and generally they, they have the horsepower to, to do it, but you know, who knows? I agree. And I, I think what makes it, what makes Iowa state a little bit interesting is, um, you know, they're returning a lot of experience that experience did not do very well at the NCAA championships last year. You know, outside of the three All-Americans, I want to say they went one in 14. Like, that's not good. Um, and, or maybe one in 12. I don't know. Maybe I'm piling on too much. But they weren't good. Like, they brought nine. Four got to day two. Three of those four that advanced got to the podium. But, you know, you don't, you, you don't want five of your nine qualifiers going 0-2. Um, and so... That part is interesting. And the other part too, and we'll we'll get into this because this is partially my one big question. Um, we're entering that point in the rebuild with Dresser that like you brought in some a damn good re- recruiting class, a recruiting class that on paper and maybe in the minds of you and me and some others, um, shout out Matt Scott Willie, that believes that this recruiting class can probably push the program forward, right? You know, number two ranked recruiting class. You're going to have a guy like Swiderski go right away. You gray shirted a lot of guys from the last class who we're going to see a few of them in action probably this season. Um, Like, you know, I don't want to say they're like running out of time with David Carr, but they kind of are. Um, And so, like, you know, how can you and I don't want to say they're they're like don't punt on this year to get ready for next year. But like there is an element of like, Hey, like David's senior year, that could be a pretty special Iowa state team. What steps can you take forward to ensure that next year is a special season for Iowa for, you know, David Carr senior year. I got like, that's, that's kind of like the lens through which I'm viewing this Iowa state team is like, what, like what pieces can you really lay the foundation for to make next year pretty damn special because it has the opportunity to be pretty damn special. Um, Which you know, I don't want it to make it seem like I'm looking ahead, but there is that element to it. Like, you know, hey, like you got to take the next step in this rebuild, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and and they have, you know, looking at their lineup, they're they're generally not going to lose anybody. When uh, I guess Coleman, when you're talking about like, uh, you know, next next year, um, so. So that that is a possibility, and, and with the way they've recruited, I think they might be able to fill in well. But but yeah, that, that's uh, something I hadn't thought about. Just I don't know, just something that popped up in my head as you know, we media day was for Iowa State was a little while ago, so I've had some time to like kind of sit and stew on what what Dresser said and just kind of the you know what I got out of that day, and and you know just kind of looking at their schedule and their lineups moving forward. What's one big question you have about Iowa State this season? 
I'm, I'm going to recycle what I said about Iowa. <laughs> go for uh, 157 pounds. Um, again, uh, with, with David Carr moving up to 65, um, I, before we started, you kind of mentioned that pretty much their 165 lineup battle from last year just drops down to 57 for the most part. So, you know, who's going to emerge? Is it going to be somebody that uh, can qualify for nationals? Uh, you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, bigger things than that, is it someone that can score points at nationals? Um, someone, um, you know, they've got a, a really solid dual schedule. Um, is, is it somebody that's going to, you know, chip in a bunch of dual wins along the way? So currently, based solely off their preliminary wrestle-offs, the winners at 57, or at least the guys that advanced, if I can pull it up here, um, were Isaac Judge and Jason Kreiser, who were the two guys that Dresser named at Media Day without really thinking twice about it, so it makes sense that those are kind of the guys that come out. Um, you know, I think another guy maybe to keep an eye on is Grant Stotts. He's, he had some success in high school. He's a guy that, um, you know, routinely in David's pocket – um, he's also the guys behind chain. He's one of the guys behind chain Russell. So shout out to them. Um, you know, he could be kind of a, a lurking third guy, but Isaac judge and Jason Kreiser, um, those are kind of the two lead off guys. I don't know, like, and it's maybe because I haven't seen a ton of Jason Kreiser yet. Um, you know, cause he transferred him from Campbell. Um, they came as a pair, him and his brother. Um, you know, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like let's, and maybe, you know, maybe I don't, this could be like, a coaching idea in my head. Like, do you just throw Kreiser out there? Just kind of shake it up. Just like see something different. Right. Cause we've seen judge before and he's fine. He's serviceable. He will wrestle hard. He will give you seven minutes every time out. Um, but like you said, they're looking for somebody who's going to score points. And, you know, back to the question of like, how do you deal with lineup battles? Um, very intrigued to see how dresser is going to handle this one because he's had times where it's like, all right, you want the wrestle off. You're the guy. He's had times where it's like, he did better in open tournament. You're the guy for now. Um, you know, last year at 65, I think they had three different guys, Russell and duels, um, and six guys total compete at that weight at various competitions. So it's like, clearly he's just trying to see what sticks. Right. Um, I wonder if that's the same route they go with 57 this year, regardless of how their Russell off goes. Yeah. And, and personally, I'd like to see Kreiser out there. Just, he's a guy from kind of outskirts of Baltimore. Um, I got to see him a little bit uh, growing up in high school and such. So um, I, w I wouldn't mind seeing him out there, but uh, you know, judge is a guy that, that I've thought, uh, you know, is, is maybe on the brink of breaking through last year at times uh, at 65. So, um, you know, I don't know. You, I'm sure you know him much better than I do. I don't, I don't know whether maybe he's more naturally uh, 57 than 65 or, you know, if one of these guys is pulling harder than the other to, to make weight. No, that's, that's, that's a fair assessment. I know judge wrestled 57, I believe during his red shirt year, um, which would have been 18, 19. So he's an old guy. Um, and then, you know, obviously since David's been in the room, um, he's been at 65. So I, yeah, I think that's another, you know, judge. I agree with you. Like he's been, he's been fairly close. He always wrestles hard. You look at some of the scores, um, you know, 18 and 14 last year, um, you know, his wins aren't overly impressive, but his losses, you know, he's right there, you know, five Oh with Yant, um, four, three with Peyton Hall, five, one with Travis Whitlake, you know, two, one with Luke Weber, but he's got a win over Joe Grello. 
He's got a win over Trey Brisker, um, a couple of wins over Trey Brisker. Like he's, you know, eight, three with Patrick Kennedy, right? Like that's, you know, he's got a win over Logan Schumacher, who was very good for Iowa state for a few years. Um, be kind of interesting to see if the weight change um, impacts how Isaac judge competes this year. I think my question for Iowa state is how effective can the freshmen be? Because there's two of them now and they're replacing two, you know, quote unquote pillars of the rebuild, right? Ian Parker, Jared Dagan, they're gone. In comes Casey Swiderski, true freshman. In comes Panero Johnson, who's a true freshman by eligibility standards. He gray shirted last year. Um, how effective can they be? How much of an impact can they have? Is it one of those things where they're going to jump into the fire and grow as the year goes? Is it one of those things where they are just going to, you know, Swiderski's going to wrestle Rial Woods early December. Is he going to just come out and punch him in the mouth? Or is he going to, you know, eat some humble pie and have to grow as the season goes? Panero Johnson, we've seen him wrestle freestyle, very explosive wrestler. Um, 49's a very intriguing weight where it's kind of Yanni in the crowd, but that crowd's pretty damn good. So like, you know, which, what, what kind of, how is Panero going to grow and evolve over the course of the season? I th- I'm not saying that the, the, their postseason hopes hinge on those two freshmen being able to score points, but it sure as hell would help if those guys evolved into point scores by the time we get to March, right? Yeah. And one thing that I want to watch about 149 is, you know, just kind of nationwide when you're aside from that top tier with the Yamis and Sassos and everything like that, um, you have a lot of young kind of red shirt freshman type guys that are capable um, you know, I have uh, Panero kind of ranked in the, the lower half of the rankings, but, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that I think can move up. Um, and, you know, looking at the weight, there's a lot of good guys there, but there are guys that I'm just like, no, he's not going to beat them. You know, <laughs> you know like there's, there, there's some guys that, uh, you know, he could do damage against for sure. Um, and, you know, you, you know, right out the right out the gate, he's going to get, uh, you know, Joe Zargo at uh, the what are they called? Battle of the River City. Battle Joe of the Zargo River City. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shane and Hannah from uh, Campbell, uh, both top 20 guys. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to Swiderski because I was I was thinking of him. Um, yeah. But uh, but I mean, he's going to get uh, Gomez, uh, you know, old Cyclone guy. Uh, first weekend of the year so both of those guys you're gonna kind of see see what they got right away and and panero has been a guy that scores a lot of points so uh i'm I'm eager to see what happens there with gomez because you know we all know what kind of guy he is dude that could be like a 16 13 match (laughs) (laughs) just because those guys you know and i think the other thing to maybe monitor about panero like as i say that is like um you know, what's his gas tank like? Because some of those freestyle matches at, you know, the the U.S. Open and at the U-20 World Team Trials, he would get a big lead. He'd be on the verge of just like, you know, full throttle for 30 seconds to get the tech fall. And then when he doesn't get it, like I remember the the match against Caleb Rachi at the World Team Trials, you know, he's up 11-2 or something like that, like step on the neck territory, right? And then Rachi just rolls right back through him because he's gassed. Um so like for him specifically and similar to Swiderski, but maybe in a different type of way, you know, how do you handle the seven minute folk style match? And like you said, they, they're going to get tested right away 
Um, cause that's a good Wisconsin team. There's good wrestlers littered throughout that entire battle at the river city. Um, you know, and then obviously they're going to hit some open tournaments here and there. So that'll, you know, multiple matches in a day again. Um, you know, and then they're both going to hit some high profile, you know, I, I circled the Cyhawk duel, um, you know, Max Mirren tough as shit, man. Like that's, you know, if you can score on that guy, you can probably score on anybody. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll kind of see how that goes, but yeah, I think, I think their effectiveness, you know, not only is it important for this year's Iowa state team, it's also like, you know, these two guys entering the lineup is kind of the first look at like, I who's next, who's next in this rebuild. How good are these guys really like not to put pressure on that entire freshman class, but like, you know, these guys, if they succeed, there's re- like a lot of people are going to be jumping up and down for what's coming next in the Iowa state rebuild under dresser. Um, you know, and I don't say that to put pressure on them. I just say that to be like, you know, Hey, like if these guys are good, wait until the rest of them get here. Right. Um, and so I think that's a very intriguing subplot for this year's Iowa state team. Yeah. In talking about the future as well, you know, for those next recruiting classes for you know, the, the recruits that are kind of on the fence right now that, that see you can go in there day one Iowa State and win matches as a freshman. So, you know, sign me up. Absolutely. Um, what does a successful season look like for Iowa State in your eyes? I would say, I would say top 10. Um, looking at, you know, talking about some of the teams that we've already mentioned that are going to be in there competing with Iowa. Um, I mean, we, we mentioned probably seven or eight teams right there. So I think getting top 10 this year is a pretty, pretty lofty uh, achievement. And then, you know, looking at kind of the returning point scores, um, you know, you have Carr and uh, two All-Americans, Coleman and Bastida. Um, so, you know, you have to do some more work. That means you have to put, I don't know, maybe two more guys on the podium. Um, to to do something like that. So I, I think that's uh, realistic, but also a good achievement. No, I agree with you. I think it's, you know, that was their goal last year and they, they just fell on their face when they got to Detroit. Um, I think it's still the goal this year and I think it's still attainable this year. And I did the math, you know, they took 17th last year. Um, they were 12 points behind, I believe NC State finished 10th. They finished 12 points behind NC State. Where do those 12 and a half points come from, right? If you want to break into the top 10, right? Does it does it come from, and I think it's more than just five guys, you know, or four guys going 0-2. Um, you know, it's, you know, you need a few guys to get to, to, to win on Friday, right? Like not just, you know, can David make a run to the semis? Can Marcus make a run to the quarters? Can Younger, you know, I, I think he's got finalist capability, but I think you can say that about 10 guys at that weight. Um, you know, can, can Sam Schuyler win matches? Can Kyson Tarakina, who is a combined 0 and 4 at the national tournament, can he win matches? Ramazan can, you know, he got hurt last year, but can he win matches? Um, go back to the freshmen, right? Swiderski and Paniro can, can they become point scores? You know, where do you manufacture those 12 points, 12 and a half points to break into the top 10? Um, that's, that's going to be interesting to monitor as they go along. And the weird part about Iowa state is like, you know, I thought they had it last year, like the way they blitzed the dual season, the way they, you know, second at big 12s or third at big 12s, um, you know, it looked like the pieces were there and then they just collapsed, um, which, you know, 
not a big fan of volatile teams like that, but you know, which, you know, I don't know, like it, 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 that, it, that part bothers me as somebody who watches and covers these teams. Cause it's like, yeah, like they're totally a top 10 team. And then they don't, um, you know, and you can point to the fact that they just fell on their face, but like they've routinely fallen on their face. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, the year David wanted, it was him and Gannon Gremmel and that was it. Um, you know, Marcus was up a weight, um, but like everybody else kind of struggled. So it's like, okay, like let's, let's start to see a little bit of consistency come March because you look at the teams that do finish regularly in the top 10, they are consistently going and winning matches in March and they're consistently getting guys to Friday and they're consistently getting guys to Friday night to be more specific. Um, that's what I want to see. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go in kind of a sidebar, but it's sort of related. Um, you know, I know Dresser really well from his days here at uh, Virginia Tech in uh, 2011. Uh, they had a really good team, a uh, pretty young team. I believe they made the national duels finals. Um, I think they uh, beat maybe Wisconsin and a couple other big teams that you know Virginia Tech never beat before. And expectations were super high for the tournament. And they came away with uh, no NC, no All Americans. I think they were like zero and three or zero and four in the blood round. And uh, you know, uh, I was actually in the elevator with Dresser at the hotel, and uh, he, he he almost it was like he had tears in his eyes, and he's just like, I, I can't believe this happened. And uh, I said, you know, hey, you had a great year. You can't base it all on one day. I was like, you know, chances are a year from now we'll probably be laughing about this. And, uh, you know, the next year they did have two All-Americans, which were at the time a really big accomplishment for them. So, um, you know, sometimes we do weigh everything a little too heavily um, on those, you know, one or two days that uh, end up determining, you know, whether you had a good year or not. And uh, I know he has been in this position where he's, his team's had a bad tournament and, uh, you know, he, he's bounced back from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Going to be curious to see how they are able to, uh, you know, just one, how they wrestle throughout the year and two, what it means for how they ultimately perform in March. Um, guy that you can't wait to watch. Who is somebody you're excited to see for Iowa state this year? All right. Uh, without a doubt, Casey Swiderski. Um, so I wrote something earlier for Intermat earlier this week about, uh, 11 true freshmen to watch had a, nice little picture of him on the cover and uh one of the things i said that kind of struck me uh normally at this time of year when you and i are talking to coaches and we're talking about true freshmen uh lots of times they're just kind of slow playing it kind of downplaying it, like yeah he's kind of tough uh you know i, I want to see how he'll do you know i think he'll be pretty good for us and swiderski's a guy that I don't know, for months, we've kind of just known that he was the guy at 41. And you've heard a lot of really good things coming out of the room about him, uh, more so than than most freshmen. So, um, you know, he was uh, number three overall in the class of 2022. Um, guy that, you know, if you look at the rankings from his freshman and sophomore year, he wasn't the number one guy. Um, he really had a big... Uh, he's on a, a, a good trajectory junior and senior years uh, on an upward plane. So, um, you know, I think he's going to continue to grow in college. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot of success right away. If you look at 141, um, we talked about real woods earlier, but overall it's not, 
it's not one of those weight classes with, you know, two or three dominant guys, you know, it, it's one where um, I think there's, there's three or four freshmen across the country that I think can have you know, really good success challenge for the podium. And, you know, if we're talking about a top 10 type team for Iowa state this year, you know, I think he could be a guy that, you know, we, we didn't, we're not counting on point wise right this second that uh, could chip in with a bunch. No, I totally agree. And, you know, it's funny that you bring up that like most coaches around this time of the year, they do downplay freshmen a little bit. I don't know if it's because they're, they're keeping secrets or they're, they just want to like, you know, like, Hey, like, let's see him compete first before we really get to, you know, know what we have. Um, but yeah, like I, since probably June, like dresser has been like, yeah, like he's, he's, he's ready. Like he's, he's going to go, he's going to get the shot. He's going to get the the opportunity to compete. Um, you know, and then coming out of media day again, this was a little while ago, but like, you know, he's a savage, he's a beast, he's a backyard dog. Like that's, and even him, like, you know, a lot of freshmen, sometimes they'll be timid. Um, you know, obviously they've got their bigger goals in mind, but like they're true freshmen. So they're very much like, you know, Hey, like we're going to do what coach says, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like, no, like this dude was very much like, yeah, like this, this was the plan. This is what we talked about. I feel like I'm ready. Um, he's like, I know, he's like, I know I'm going to fail and that's fine because I'm going to grow from it. You know, he's like, when your goal is to be an NCAA champ and you don't get there, you're still an all American ideally. Right. So like, he's like, that wouldn't be a bad true freshman season. Like he's just the, the outlook this kid has and the confidence that kind of radiated from him when we were talking to him, um, leads me to also be excited to watch him one, but two, like, yeah, like this, I, I think he could be a pretty big impact guy right out of the gate. Is he going to take some lumps? Yeah. Cause that's part of being a true freshman, but I think come March, like he could, you know, you mentioned 141, like, I don't want to call it a super wide open weight, but it's a pretty wide open weight, right? Like, I think that, you know, there's a lot of different guys here who I could see wrestling on Saturday night when just looking at the rankings and, you know, like, I'm not saying Swiderski's going to be in the NCAA finals, um, but like, no reason to think he couldn't be in the blood round at the very least, you know, if, if what everybody is saying is true and, you know, you and I, our gut feelings about him, um, you know, and I think that'd be pretty fun for Iowa state too. Like that just, that'd be a really cool story and just a really cool, you know, next part of the rebuild that they're trying to do their names. Um, guy I'm excited to watch Julian Broderson. This is a guy that's been around for a while, um, kind of fluctuated between 74 and 84. Um, believe he had a win over, no, he lost to Parker Ketkeisen, but he beat Abe Assad. Okay. That's, that's what happened. Yeah. They all went in a circle because then Abe beat Parker. I'm pretty sure. Um, so yeah, like he's got like he's got notable wins. He's been kind of in the background a little bit more over the last few years, just because seventy four and eighty four. Um, you know, I know early in his Cyclone career, it was you know Colbert and Marcus Coleman were kind of manning that spot. Um, you know, last year they ended up rolling with Joel Devine at seventy four because um, Marcus clearly asserted himself at eighty four. Um, you know, but this year um, to at least start the year, Dresser believes that he's probably a step ahead at the moment. Um, I really liked what I saw from Julian this spring and summer. He did the freestyle thing, went to the U S open qualified for the world team trials. Um, didn't make a ton of noise there, but like, you know, he went with David to Colorado Springs um, and they went through some really good training cycles there. He was telling me during media day that, you know, getting his hands on a guy like Mark Hall um, really opened up a lot of different things to him, you know, and that's another weight where, you know, divine, he was in a million close matches last year. Can Broderson, you know, grab this weight by the neck and run with it. Um, and can you score some points come March? Right. Like that's, that's what of a lot of, you know, when it comes to postseason lineup construction, that's ultimately what it comes down to, right. Can you put points on the board in March? 
Um, and if you can, you'll get that opportunity. And so I'm really excited to kind of see, you know, does the growth from the spring and summer manifest and can you take with it and run with it? Um, you know, and I mean, he's sandwiched between David and Marcus, right? Like that's, those are the guys that beat on him every day. You got to think he's probably learning a few things from those experiences. So really excited to watch Julian Broderson, another Iowa kid. Um, I feel like all I'm doing is picking Iowa natives at the, in these lineups as guys I'm excited to see, but um, I am really excited to see Julian Broderson, um, you know, back in the lineup. Let's see what he does with it. Yeah. I mean, your, your top 10 teams, the, the places that uh, you know, Iowa state wants to aspire to, uh, they have guys like him um, where, you know, he he was a good recruit coming out of high school. And you, you said he's had his moments, uh, you know, throughout his career, but kind of been in the shadows. You know, the the good programs have those depth guys that, you know, they you know, want to call it come out of nowhere. But, uh, you know, they they come out and have an opportunity and seize it and then, you know, establish themselves as the guy. You know, we've seen it in the past with Iowa where, you know, you have a returning starter, maybe even returning All-American, and he gets knocked out of the lineup by, you know, a guy that's been lurking in the wrestling room, working hard for two and three years and improving himself. So, you know, it'll it'll be fun to see if he can be that guy. On to Northern Iowa, last team, last D1 team in the state. Um, what's your vibe check on, on the Panthers this year? How are you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, feeling, feeling pretty good about them. Um, they, they have a solid lineup, a lot of returners, familiar faces. Um, <laughs> I've been tracking as, uh, teams have put out their schedules. Um, I've been tracking the winning percentages of their opponents. Um, and I might put out an article if I can get it into some sort of tangible, usable information, um, but Iowa State's schedule, now that they release the pairings at uh, Collegiate Duels, uh, they have the fifth overall winning percentage from their opponents. Um, now Tough schedules. Yeah, and uh, it's actually the second highest mark for a non-Big Ten team. Wow. So, um, so that there aren't a ton of duels in the schedule, and maybe that's you know kind of contributes to it. There are a couple reasons why I can see some of these are good, you know, some good and negative points to using this as a metric, but, uh, you know, they're going to be challenged uh, pretty often. Yeah. Very, very tournament heavy to start the year. Um, you know, looking at their schedule, Grandview, Dactronics, Cyclone Open, then they go to Cliff Keen, then they host the UNI Open, um, collegiate duels is kind of a tournament, um, but then they'll be back for, um, the soldier salute in, in December. And then, then they kick off the dual portion of their season. It looks like it's by design that way. Not a hundred percent sure if that's the way Doug wanted to structure it. I know with all their home duels being in McLeod this year that they, they had a hard time scheduling a handful of home duels. Um, so I think that probably played into it a little bit, um, just cause I know like the front half of the season, the front half being November and December, like a lot of that is non-con duels um, for a lot of teams. And so a lot of that is just them trying to figure out the schedule. So that, that could have played a role in just, you know, um, let's just go wrestle a bunch of tournaments to kick off the year. Um, a couple of questions about you and I's lineup this year, not a ton, uh, but that kind of leads us into, um, you know, what's your one big question about Northern Iowa this season? 
Yeah, what's uh, 125 going to look like without Brody Teske? Um, I, I think we can, I don't know, read the tea leaves, and it generally looks like Kyle Kohlhofer's going to be the guy, and um, you know, I think he's going to do well for them. And he was a he was a big time recruit uh, coming out of high school, but uh, you know, that was that was a guy that's kind of stabilized that uh, front of the lineup for the Panthers for a few years now, two big 12 finals. So, uh, you know, that, that is uh, big shoes to step into. Yeah. And you look at Goalhoffer's resume, um, 22 and 10 in three seasons, right? He redshirted in 1920. Um, everybody got the freebie year in 2021. And then he went three and six last year. I know he was dealing with a couple of small things. Um, you know, but he got a lot of extra time and some extra matches. He went to the Illinois Matt Men Open. Um, so not a ton of matches. Um, the matches that he did wrestle, like he did wrestle in the Northern Iowa, Oklahoma duel, four to one to Joey Prada, um, lost that one. Um, you know, but he's got a win over, um, you know, a couple of Wy- different Wyoming kids. You go back to the 2021 season. He's, you know, he competed at both 25 and 33, um, got a win over Danny Vega from South Dakota State. It's kind of a nice win. Um, but there is a lot of unknown, I feel like with, with this guy, um, you know, and I'm not sure that this was originally part of the plan, right. When you got a guy like Brody Teske and, you know, he's got another couple of years, you'd kind of think, you know, Hey, like this, this is the dude we'll, we'll worry about 25 at a later date. Um, but you know, the way Doug spun it at media day was, you know, Hey, Gallhoffer's very excited for his opportunity here. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm curious to see how he does and what his development is like and, um, you know, they're very thin at 25, man. Like if, if, if he's not the guy, um, could be a hole for him, which is weird to say about 25. And especially when Doug Schwab's your head coach, right. That's a lightweight guy. Um, he's done wonders with lightweights over the years thinking of like, you know, Dylan Peters, Jay Schwarm, obviously he did really well. He did really well for Brody Teske when he transferred back. Um, but yeah, there's, I, this, I'm not saying there could be a huge problem, but like, obviously you want to see Goldhofer succeed for, you know, one, his sake and two, um, you know, obviously it helps the Panthers this year. Yeah. And when we were talking beforehand, I, I mentioned Corey Land, he was a huge recruit for them. And, you know, I've seen some people wanting to put him in, in immediately, but I know, I guess the, the impressions that you're getting is that's, that's probably not going to happen. If I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, and I may not be, I'm not sure, right? Yeah, I got to preface that. I'm not sure that we will see him at 25. I'm not ruling it out, um, you know, and maybe, you know, I, we mentioned this earlier. Maybe now's a good time to dive into it. Doug did reveal to us his rough plan for his true freshman this year, right? With with the red shirt rule that they get five dates, um, you know. So he said that they're going to wrestle a handful of times, which – if I'm reading that right, anywhere between one and three times during the first semester that where they have to wrestle attached, which leaves any of the, uh, these guys anywhere between two and four dates in the second semester when it's strictly duels. Right. So, you know, there's going to be a duel somewhere in that mix where Doug is probably going to want to see, okay, how does Wyatt Voker do for example, right? Because 197 is just kind of like the, who's going to be there. We don't know. John Gunderson was the guy that went for the postseason last year. He is going to redshirt this year to bulk up to heavyweight. 197 is wide open. So, like, my first thought when he, when Doug kind of revealed his plan was like, okay, like, is Wyatt Voker a guy that you could throw into a couple of duels in the second semester? And if you like what you see and his development is tracking, do you just send him? 
right? Same thing with, you know, if Corey land does ultimately wrestle 25, does he get the same treatment? Um, you know, or do you, you know, a guy like Trevor Anderson, who I think might be even a little bit smaller for 125 at the moment, like, does he get an opportunity, right? He's another true freshman. Um, you know, so that's, that's how Doug is approaching it. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see who, which of the true freshmen get utilized for those opportunities. Right. Um, because, you know, that's clearly, they think highly enough of those guys to try to throw them in the fire and just see how they respond. Um, and if they do well enough, you know, those guys, you know, maybe they get another one, right. Because he wants multiple opportunities for these guys in the second semester, just to see how they do. Um, and so what does that mean for a guy like Corey land? I guess I got to see the weight certification first. Um, and so, you know, is he, you know, he's, he's a pretty thick kid. Um, wrestled, I believe what 30, 32 at Fargo. So not far away from 25. So can you get down? Can you manage the weight? Um, those would be my first questions before it's like, yeah, he could be the dude at 25 because, you know, he's got international experience. He's, you know, junior freestyle champ, uh, junior Greco runner up. Like the guy's good. Is he good enough to go right away? Um, we'll see. I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a very intriguing, um, intriguing thought. Um, especially in the context of 25 and just how thin they are down there. I think my big question for you and I this year, um, can they be more than a one guy team in March? And what I mean by that is that the last couple of years, it's Parker Keckeisen. He's the guy, he's the face of the program, two-time All-American, third each the last two years of 184. You know what you're getting with him. Can other guys join him in getting on the podium? I think yes, but that's like my question for them. Like you can get to March and they showed out pretty well in March last year, right? You look at back at the national tournament, you know, they started six and four. They pushed, you know, I think six of their eight qualifiers to day two. Um, you know, everybody ultimately got picked off Friday morning except for Parker, but you know, who joins them on the podium? Like, can they take this, this next step, right? The last time you and I had multiple all Americans was 2019 when Drew Foster won it, Bryce Steyer took eighth. Um, before then it was 2017, Max Thompson and Drew Foster again, before that it was 2014. So not a lot of years under Schwab recently. And really you go back to when he was hired, he's only had you know, I'm counting, this is great podcasting, one, two, three, four years total um, where he's had multiple All-Americans in the same season. Um, you know, like similarly to Iowa State, like I think, you know, their ceiling is top 12, top 10, but they're going to need more than just Parker to do that. Um, so I guess that's my big question. Like who joins him on the podium as a potential All-American? You know, like that's, 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 I'm, I, I got to see it, you know? Yeah, and looking at their team, they had guys that uh, maybe at this time last year, I wouldn't have expected that, uh, you know, they stepped up and had the type of postseason that they did, like a, a Colin Rebuto, Derek Holschlag, um, you know, guys like that. So um, can those guys continue to take another step? And, uh, you know, you also have like a Kyle Biscalia, um, you know, he's a guy that uh, might be able to as well. So. There are guys, uh, you know, Austin Yant, I really like. Uh, we mentioned kind of how tough that weight class is, so it might be hard to break through there. But uh, they do have guys that are kind of on that 
that that level right below all American or but you know have the potential to break through. What does a successful season look like for Northern Iowa this year? I think playing off what what you just said, uh, you know, multiple All Americans and um, I, I mean, I think top fifteen would that would probably mean um, you know. Parker Kekheisen, uh, a finalist. Um, Ooh. Um, and then, you know, one, maybe two other guys, but uh, I, mean, I, I think that would end up, uh, that would look good. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, uh, winning, winning dual record. Um, I like I, that. I, I don't, I don't know, I'm not trying to kind of, I don't know, that doesn't sound great in the grand scheme of things. Right, uh, yeah. I, I think they were at 500 last year. They um, finished 7-7, seven and 6-3 seven, and three against the Big 12. So, like, they, yeah. you know, they won when it mattered, I suppose. It's also a weird way to, like, phrase it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, um, I, I mentioned uh, what I think of their dual schedule, you know, generally pretty tough, so... You know they're going to get uh, challenged uh, after that uh, early tournament season. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. Again, it, it doesn't sound great, but no, I know what you mean though. Like that's, I I, I wrote down like two answers here. One answer I have is top ten at NCAs, and maybe I should like rectify that to top twelve. Um, but the second answer I had multiple All Americans. Like, same idea. Like, can you get multiple guys on the podium? You know, can Parker really, you know, Doug Schwab talked about Parker being a leader. Can he really do the leader thing and bring guys with him? Can he, you know, can more guys get on the podium? Um, Which is probably going to lead into the last question again about you and I, you know, the guys that we're most excited to watch here. But like, that's, I think I, you know, I don't know that they can get to top 12 without multiple All-Americans. But I think if they get multiple All-Americans and still don't finish top 12, I would still look at that as like, okay, hey, you took a step forward, which that to me, like progress, that's good stuff. That's good news leading forward because you know, you've got some guys in the hopper, like Wyatt Boker, I think long-term is going to be a great, great guy for them at 97, multiple time All-American. Corey Land, you know, very rarely does one of Willie's top 30 guys nationally in a senior class not become a multi-time All-American, right? Um the future is very bright there, you know, and then knowing Doug Schwab and how he operates and coaches and develops guys, you're going to have another guy pop out of the woodwork and put forth another great career. Um, you know, so I, I don't know that they get to top 12 without multiple all Americans, but I think they could finish with multiple all Americans miss the top 12. And that would still be like thumbs up. You had a great year. Um, at least that's how I'm viewing it. I don't know. Again, like now that I'm saying it out loud, similar to you, like it doesn't sound great, but that's how I feel, you know, like, does that like, it's, I, am I crazy? <laughs> no. And, and, and as we've said with the other team, there's a lot of freaking good teams out there. Right. Like, you know, to um, it, when, when it's the head coach of a team, they, they probably don't necessarily want to say top 12 is, is a good goal for them. But, you know, when you're looking at it objectively and uh, you know, the teams that uh, they're going to be competing against, to get into say the top 12, top 15. Uh, I do think it would be a good accomplishment. And, uh, you know, generally we're 
going to pencil Keck Eisen in as to one of those two All-Americans. And, you know, that's going to mean that, uh, you know, one of your other guys is stepping up and, and getting uh, All-American for the first time. No doubt. Before we, head, before we head to the last question, here here is who you have 10 through 20 in your rankings, or I guess 10 through 21. Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Northwestern, Princeton, Pitt, Virginia Tech, NC State, North Carolina, Northern Iowa, Penn, and Stanford. Those are good teams. Like, and those are teams that have good wrestlers. And yeah, like it's, it's, you know, routinely Northern Iowa ends up like at the bottom of that pile, but like, you know, and we'll get into this here, you know, guys, we can't wait to watch because like, I I know who you're going to say, and that's maybe that's the answer to, you know, who is the, the, the multiple, when we say multiple all Americans, like, that's what they need in order to climb that pile of teams and get to where they want to go, which, okay, guy you're excited to watch this year. Yeah, I'm going for uh, Lance Runyon at 174. Yes. Um, you know, we're talking about maybe this this other guy that's going to be All-American. Um, I, I mentioned I like Austin Yant. I uh, don't love his weight class. Um, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, 174, you have your two returning national champions at the top of the weight class, uh, you get down past five, six, uh, you know, th- there's opportunities for, uh, you know, somebody of Runyon's, uh, you know, stature to, you know, all you have to do basically is win one match that you're not supposed to, or, you know, upset one guy to get that, you know, onto the podium at that point, you know, if everything plays out like it's supposed to, and we know that always happens. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's not that big of a stretch and uh you know he, he's one i thought that uh did did better as the year went on and uh you know I'm, I'm eager to see more from him this year no doubt and he you know he's the other thing that makes him super intriguing um he's healthy this year um you know his 2021 the first year in the lineup he got hurt so he wasn't able to compete at the national tournament um you know, last year he started the year hurt, came back and just kind of slowly worked his way in. And then, I mean, he really kind of opened it up with a bang because he, you know, I want to say one of his first matches back was against Oklahoma State and he pinned Dustin Plott. Um, so like, hello. Right. Um, and I, one of the things that really makes him, you know, you got to win a match you're not supposed to. Lance is a pinner, man. Like he's a guy that, you know, you get into a funky role. Next thing you know, he's got the he's got a cradle and you're on your back and he knows how to settle and catch those things. So like in that sense, like in the scheme of 174, like he's definitely in that, you know, six to 16 crowd that could emerge and go finish on the podium. Um, and part of what makes me really excited to see him is, is because of, you know, not only that's at that aspect, but like, he's also healthy this year. And so getting to see him start and finish the season, fingers crossed, um, a lot of big things I think are in store for him this year. Um, so I really like that pick. The guy I'm pick, most excited to watch, Kale Apple. Um, this is a guy who, um, very talented, right? Four-time state champ, was a junior All-American, um, credentialed. And he stepped in last year, and he did really well. Um, but then came the Big 12 Championships, and he went 0-2. And I'm of the belief that when you look at the NCAA RPI formula and like everything that, you know, the, the 0-2 record at the Big 12 championships ultimately kept Kale out of the big dance because he did basically everything he had to do except qualify. Um, 
And ultimately he was, Doug told us this story at media day that he, he was an alternate, right? And so when you're an alternate, you go and you, you keep your weight down. You continue to train through because if something happens with one guy in your bracket, you're number 33. Um, and it almost happened for him. Apparently, I guess there was one guy at 141 last year that was like a minute away from missing weigh-ins. Um, Right. Yeah. Like that's, I was like, Oh, this is news to me. Okay. Um, they made weight. It didn't happen. So Kale didn't end up wrestling. So he Doug, I think said that he went and cleared out the hospitality room, um, just to eat because he's not competing. Right. Um, so, you know, it might be a cliche thing to be like, all right, like how does this like set a fire under your ass? And you know, how do you respond based on that? You know, and Kale's always been really, really good about, you know, controlling the things he can control. And like, I want to see him take that next step this year to not only solidify the fact that he, um, you know, is an NCAA qualifier, but you know, same thing we were talking about with Swiderski, like 41, there's like, there's a lot of capable guys at that weight. And so can Kale take the next step to, you know, solidify himself as like, when we get to March, he's probably sitting, you know, 16, 15, 14 range. And, you know, is he a guy that can make a run? Like, I've been watching him for forever. So of course I'm going to say, yeah, he's more than capable. Um, but you know, let's take the regular season and like, you know, hammer that nail home and let's, let's really see it because you missed out last year. You were literally like a minute away from potentially getting a shot. Um, let's see what you do now that you were that close. Right. Yeah. Uh, Happel's a guy that I've uh, really liked and, uh, he probably would have my, my second choice for this, um, and as you mentioned, I think 41 has opportunities for, for a guy like him to move up. Um, you know, he, he wasn't a qualifier, but uh, he starts the year in the rankings you know, based on kind of his body of work from all of last year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he's got with another year of experience under his belt. Um, I I obviously didn't know that story that you hold about him at, uh, at weigh-ins. So yeah, I'm sure that might've, uh, driven him a little bit over the summer. Big, big thanks to Earl for making time to chat all things Iowa, Iowa state and Northern Iowa wrestling with me. I know he and the Intermat crew hard at work churning out their preseason content. So I'm super thankful he made some time for me for this show. If you haven't already, be sure to go check out all the great stuff that they're doing over at Intermat. I'll be using their rankings again this season, and we'll be sure to chime in with many of their writers throughout the season. But that's all we've got today, you guys. I appreciate you tuning in. The next time we talk, we'll be breaking down actual wrestling results, real live action. Finally and again, Iowa State kicks off its season this weekend in Florida at the Battle in the River City. Catch that live on Rockfin on Saturday. And then next Next weekend, Iowa, Iowa State, you and I all in action with various duels and tournaments, and away we go with the regular season. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review this show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram Cody J. Goodwin, and of course, be sure to subscribe to catch all my mailbag stories, news, and analysis, as well as my videos. You can find links to do all of that, as well as stories and videos from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.